Welcome to Charting the Course, a podcast from Full Sail Capital, dedicated to providing you with insights, assurance, and confidence to grow and manage generational wealth. Full Sail Capital is a fiduciary registered investment advisor managing more than $1.5 billion with a focus on integrity, competency, and transparency. Hey, everyone. Great to talk to you today. We're going to take a slight break from the interviews and some of our series we've been rolling out. And I wanted to just kind of hit pause and reflect on a few of those. So I've asked Stacey Murray, CPA and advisor here at Full Sail Capital, and David Stanley, our CEO, to, to join me today. Of course, they've been in here. You've, you've heard their voices, but these two are going to sit in and, you, and you'll see why as we get into the topics for today. But I appreciate you joining us today. I know you'll enjoy the conversation. So let's just jump right in. Again, thank you to David and Stacey for sitting down with me. I hope you enjoy. Have a great rest of your week. Well, David, Stacy, thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate you allowing me to pull you down here into the studio to get some thoughts. I wanted to kind of hit pause as we've been rolling out some of these new series. And we've had a lot of really good interviews. As part of those series, we've had some really interesting one-off interviews. Specifically today, I, I want to make sure people go back and revisit the Dr. Daniel Crosby interview. He was a, a the behavioral finance expert, if you will. It's a fascinating interview, and we're going to hit at the end of our conversation today. We'll hit on some of that. And then I also want to remind people to go back and listen to the Ed Saracino interview from uh, the senior portfolio specialist from Vanguard. Both of those guys, I think, provided some incredible context around a market like we're facing today. So thank you both for joining me. I thought maybe we'd start, though, and just look at where we are not necessarily from a squared away position like we'll we'll do here at the beginning of quarter four, but Stacy, with your work with business owners and and David, you as well and entrepreneurs, what are you guys seeing? What are you guys ad- advising some of these clients do as we head into the fourth quarter of the year? Thank you, Tyler, for having us on. One of the things I'm looking into with my business owners is just making sure we're maxing out those qualified buckets, yep. especially going into year end with the market being where it is provides a buying opportunity. We can talk about that a little bit later, but really putting that money to work now. So if you're thinking about doing IRA contributions as the April 15th deadline, do them now, move them up, put that money to work. If you've got that 6,000 that you can put to work. The other thing, make sure you're maxing out your qualified buckets, even in 2022. So that's your 401k. Thanks to the government that went up a thousand dollar contribution. So instead of 19.5, it's now 20,500. Yep. Yep. You got that catch up. If you're over 50, right. you can do an additional 6,500. So that's 27,000 you can put to work for you. HSAs, don't forget about those. Make sure you're putting that money to work. A family's um, 7,300. So we got a nice $100 increment there, increase yep. from last year. So do that. The other thing I've been seeing a lot of, um, working with a lot of CPAs is putting money to work and more money to work in cash balance plans. Yeah. I don't want to go into a ton of detail on that, but talk to your CPA. Again, it goes back to at Full Cell, we want you to have your core team and your core team needs to involve your CPA, your wealth manager, your estate attorney, that they're all on the same page. Absolutely. And I've been working with some great CPAs that we have partnerships with and that cash balance plan has been really maximized this year. And I think it's a great tool to utilize to allow you to put some pre-tax dollars. In. Yeah, there's a lot right. of intricacy involved there, of course, uh, to your point. So we we don't want to dive into it, but it's a great, great something to bring up. It does work well for some business owners. At, at times, there's other avenues when you can capitalize. But I think those are great. Those are those are great points. David, what are you what are you kind of seeing or, or things are you um, advising on as as we've gone through this year? Well, I, th- I think Stacy hit on it, but what she did hit on is hard for people to do. 
in an environment like this. And we'll get into that. Yeah, we're going to get into that. <laughs> so what she's telling you to do is absolutely the right thing to do. It's just hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so the hard things that you do in a time where it's there's distress and it looks pretty bleak, those are the things that position you to prosper greatly when we get to the other side, because we will get to the other side. Stacey, so you made a couple of comments before we started recording about some of the maybe moves that we're making and moves that we're, we're recommending some of our clients make in regard to their portfolio, if you don't mind hitting on some of those. Yeah. I mean, to David's point, when we are in a downward cycle, we're looking at what can we do and where's the silver lining. And I think those things that we do at Full Cell Capital or whoever you're working with, tax loss harvesting, can't say it enough. And an opportunity like this, please be tax loss harvesting. It is crucial to your bottom dollar of your tax, your tax bill and your tax, your future liabilities. The other thing is we're working with some clients that have held legacy positions. Mm -hmm. So as far as rebalance goes, we're very careful on not necessarily just making our clients recognize taxes, but this is a great opportunity to really go in and look at those legacy positions. And if it's individual stocks to utilize this time for tax loss harvesting that you may have generated to kind of net those with the gains that you realize, or if the positions now are a less of a gain, go ahead, go forward with that. And then the goal there as, as people have, have learned is it's just going to greater diversify someone's portfolio, which is always our, our end goal. So Stacey, you mentioned qualified buckets that IRAs, 401ks hit on Roth conversions for a second. I think remind everybody the benefit there and exactly what that, what that is. Yeah, Tyler, that's a great point. And you know, with legislation and where we're at today, there is a really sense of urgency to eliminate Roth or move forward and kind of restrict it, especially from the ultra wealthy. And so with the Roth conversion, you are going in and you're taking pre-tax dollars that you've put away and you're going to go ahead and convert those into after-tax dollars and say from here on out in a Roth, whatever I convert over, I am going to now, everything that I earn will be tax-free. The point of a Roth conversion now and why a lot of our clients are looking into it and working with their CPAs to make sure it makes sense is they're looking at those pre-tax IRA accounts and saying, if the market's down 20% is now a good time for me to at today to go in and convert to a Roth. And what you do is say that amount is a hundred grand. It had been 150. It's now a hundred. You recognize that hundred grand on your W-2 as, or on, sorry, on your 1040 as ordinary income. Right. So it'd be like W-2 income, ordinary income. So it's taxed at ordinary tax brackets. The point is then when the rebound occurs, Mm -hmm. which it will occur, we'll talk about that in a little (laughs) bit. We believe it will occur. It will. It's just a matter of when, but when it does occur and it goes back up to that 150, you now have taken 50 grand and gotten that rebound and it will not be taxed because it's after tax considerations. And and we see so many people work with their CPAs where they'll actually go, okay, how much of their regular IRA can they convert to the Roth? and not kick them into a higher tax bracket. They'll do the calculation and come up with it. And if it's not the entire amount of the IRA, I would do it up to that threshold and then look at at doing the rest uh, next year. Well, we'll wait for another opportunity. Yes, or wait for another opportunity. Uh, Great, great, great reminder there. Before we move into kind of our next segment, I just wanted to make sure we've revisited, you know, any of these moves and challenges. So I appreciate you both sharing there. Uh, I think that's super helpful. So again, specifically on the market related, that Ed Serencino interview was spectacular. I just think he brought a really good perspective to it. So, so yeah. be sure to go back and listen to that. All right, let's move now into the the next part, which I think is um, 
gosh, I'd say probably even more impactful or important of a conversation right now, given everything going on in the market. But we interviewed Dr. Daniel Crosby. It's all about behavioral finance, how we view money, how we feel about money, which to say it's taboo is an understatement. But we all have our own biases is really what we took away from that conversation. So I wanted to sit down with you two today and really take some time to reflect on that, reflect on what he said. You both have listened to it. What stuck out to you? What do you think is maybe the most impactful piece of advice that he possibly gave our listeners from his interview? Um, We've got a market like we really haven't seen in quite some time. For some people, it is their first time. For others, it feels like their first time. But maybe what what stuck out to you the most or what are you seeing on the client side as it relates to just that the, the personal effect it plays on people? I think he did a good job of just making people revisit that we do actually have personal biases that may not completely be totally factual as far as what the future is going to bring. There's a book that we gave to our clients a couple of years ago called Factfulness by Hans Rosling. And I think it's something that after you listen to this behavioral finance podcast, you it's a great book to read. We gave it to our clients. And in fact, if you want one, just let us know and we'll send you one. But it just shows you how the world just gets better every year, even though we think it isn't because of our human nature. Hey, we all lean into bad news. Mm-hmm. We all do. We're, yeah. we're way, why does bad news sell and good news doesn't? Uh, crazy human nature, right? Yeah. But you look at how he shows over a decade after decade how we will see bad news, like we're seeing in the markets right now, some bad news, and then we will go ahead and forecast that bad news out into the future as if it's never going to ever end and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And he just shows you decade after decade how that never happens and how the world just does get better and how we have our, our lifestyles get better, et cetera. So I think it's a, good, it's a good way to back up and go, well, let's just take some empirical data here and look at it and realize, you know, it's not good, but it's not as bad as we think. What biases do you guys see play out the most in the advisor relationship? I will tell you during a time like this, the biases always seem to be, and and we're just in an unusual time politically. Depending on how entrenched someone is in their political ideology, it comes to the forefront when the market goes down, right? Whose fault it is and what, et cetera. Plenty of blame to go around. Anyone knows me knows that, but I still think what people allow during this time is we want to talk about their biases. They do the exact wrong thing in a down market. And that is we're seeing more distributions go out. People are buying or spending more money now and pulling more money out mm-hmm. and the contributions are lower yeah. than they were last year when the market was going up. Right. We see that it's the exact, this is the year that we should be getting our largest contributions. But I totally believe we're experiencing what, what a hundred percent of other money managers are experiencing right now. And and that is because there's fear, right? And and what people do when there's fear, they pull more out. They want to have it in the pillowcase. If they've done good financial planning, our clients, we haven't experienced the panic here. I think a lot of other money managers have, have had because we've done extensive planning with our clients. Yeah, We prepared them for a bad day. But even still, our job is to hold them by the hand and get them across the valley because we will start up again. Do you think the distribution, and this is for either of you, do you think the distribution increase is, because some of it can be healthy, they're paying off debt or they're doing something maybe they've been waiting on. But I think there's the flip side of, well, I'm going to do this now because 
everything's going to get worse, so I might as well enjoy money now. Is that kind of what you guys are seeing on, on the distribution side? What what I'm seeing is a lot more of second and third homes being really? purchased. Really? Okay. Yeah, right now. Hey, rates are going to keep going up. Yep. Maybe I'm going to I'm gonna take this money out and go buy it, pay it fully in cash, or I'm going to buy half of it, finance half of it, because I think rates are just going to keep skyrocketing up. Yep. over the next several years. There's some of that, yeah. but it's not it's not so much money being put in the savings account just to hold. It's it's money being used and it's being spent. It's being spent. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I I can talk about to the contribution side being down. Sure. I think with a lot of my clients that I've been talking about is cash is comforting, right? Cash is also just it's warm and fuzzy. And so to them, they're saying the contribution side is ah, I'm going to hold on to this cash in my savings account. Because I don't want to put it in the market because I don't want it to fall again, right? right. I don't. I don't want to put it in today and tomorrow it it falls another five percent, like we saw earlier this week. And so with that, I think cash is comforting. But to David's point, I was reading something the other day and I've been kind of relating it to my clients because I thought it was great. I walk into Target and I see the entire store is thirteen or fourteen, fifteen percent off. Yeah, I'm gonna buy, right? And I think we need to relate that same thing to what we're doing here or what you're doing with your fi- your financial savings and where you're at. And so I see it as a buying opportunity, but I think back to the emotional bias and all of that. When our clients see red instead of green, and it's that simple, they turn on the TV, they log into their Fidelity accounts, they see red, they get nervous and they want to flight. And you can't flight during this point of where the market is and in this cycle. And it's so key at this point, if you do not have a relationship with an advisor, I don't care who that advisor is, This is the time that you rely on them or you partner with somebody. So they hold you accountable and you stay disciplined and you stay the course because in the over, over the period, a long run period, it's going to help you. And we, we've joked about this, but you know, the way we manage money, we all fully believe in and, and fully adhere to our strategy. And I joke at times that I think our investment team might get more tired of hearing from ourselves because we're worried about what they're doing for us. And then we have to remind ourselves that, you know what, they know what they're doing. We're telling our clients they know what they're doing. So therefore I need to make sure I calm down. But when it's your money, it's different. And, oh, and we understand and Everyone that. has a buy. And when it, when it's your own account, uh, I will, I laugh every, every once in a while. Zach will tell me, David, go back to your office. And that's when I'm talking about my own money. Go do your day job, yeah, David. Yeah. And I can tell you being a professional, a 30 year professional in this business, if I listen to myself on my own money, I would not be nearly um, as prosperous as I am right now. Listening yeah, to it, yeah. like Stacy's so right. I had dinner with a client last night and he was going, Dave, we were talking about the markets where we're at. He goes, Dave, March 2020. He goes, you remember my phone call with you? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, man, I can't, you saved me millions. The, wow. the decision I would have made that day if I would have done it, if I would have executed that on my own, mm-hmm. it would have cost me greatly. And so I, I just think it's always perspective. When you're going through this, it always seems like the worst thing in the world. And then the further up you go looking at a chart, the higher you are looking down at it, the more this, this will become a down bump on a, on a, on a chart that goes up and to the right Absolutely. over a very long period of time. Yeah. It's just the, the hard part is trying to convey that to somebody who, yep. who hasn't gone through this. Right. We have many clients that, have just begun their investing journey or even began it in the last decade. And it was, it was a pretty calm decade going back to 2000, 
10, 12. Fed was um, always there. Yep. Anytime we had a bobble, Fed came in and, and just calmed the market. Yeah. Now we have the Fed as our adversary. And, doing and, doing their job. That's so, right. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, because I think it's interesting and I think it's important that, you know, you know, I don't want any listeners or clients to ever feel like we're just preaching at them because that's not our job. We're in this no. with them. We're investors with them. I think it's interesting to think about our own money habits, how we were raised, how we think about money, how we think about investing. I know for me, I've got that tendency to, you know, there's a number in my head that I like to have in the bank. It doesn't matter the percentage. It's just a number. I have to fight myself knowing that that's just my tendency. Yep. And I know where that comes from. I can trace it back down my, you know, the parents and grandparents and all that. And so I just was curious if you guys had any insight there, opinions, or, or if you thought about it, you know, how yours, how yours have been formed, if you will, in an encouragement to the listeners mm-hmm. to, to address it. So I, I just read a book that I just love. Okay. Of course, I'm going to sound like the book guy today telling it's you okay. just read, read, read. We'll put some links yeah. in the podcast. Atomic Oops. Habits by James Clear. Okay. Great. I mean, because we all, we all have habits that are good and, and we all have habits that are really not so good. And it, it, like everything, managing money requires discipline. You're going to be wealthy over a long period of time. We tell people here all the time, discipline trumps conviction. And it absolutely does. But, but discipline sometimes hurts. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and when when you're buying low, you oh, I, well, I tell people, if you're buying low, you want to throw up after you put the money in the market. You feel really good about it, you, you, you're, you're buying high. And, and you know may, that might not be bad either, but I'm just saying, how you feel about it, your feelings should not dictate what you do. Yeah. And I, I, I guarantee, I, I think back to my my grandparents, raised in the Depression era. My granddad was a county extension agent of Comanche County. We lived, with, lived through the Dust Bowl. And it was very difficult for them when they prospered to ever do anything but rat hole their money. Sure. They didn't want to do anything. And that over time, was, but, but it was they were probably in their 70s when they first started saying to me, hey, Dave, should I put money in the stock market? I'm like, yes. Now think about if they had done that right. the, uh, from the moment they had, yeah. they would have prospered greatly. But that mental, they were damaged mentally through that time. They really were, and emotionally through that time. I think understanding and knowing where you come from, I think Stacy and I can tell you, our clients, and over the period of my career, my clients that are the wealthiest all have one common trait, and it's really weird, that delayed gratification. It is 100%. They have a very defined habit on how they spend money. They, they know what is a want and they know what is a need. I think that's the hardest things for most households to know what those two things are because they kind of bleed over into each other instead of having a discipline to where you, you actually have a hard line. My wife and I, mm-hmm. if it's a want, we discuss it in great length, pray about it, do all that, but we never decide on it that day. It's always a day or two later. Yep. When you're clear eyed yep. and beyond the, you know, I need a car or the fog of whatever this thing is that's in front of you. And it just helps you, I think, make really great decisions. I, I couldn't agree more, David. I, I've been teaching my kids the want and the need. You know, when we go into Target and it's they're wanting, you know, a new toy or something, I'm like, do you really need that? What's the want versus the need? So I think that's great. I also think I do poorly on the cash piece as well. Being, you know, my CBA accountant conservative side, right. I want to hold on to cash. And to David's point and to Tyler's point, I mean, this is the time where we can build wealth and take advantage of these opportunities. And cash is comforting, but it can dim- diminish your value. 
over the long haul. Another one I want to talk about is anchoring. I, we haven't talked about anchoring, but True. anchoring has big. been one of my big things for clients, especially with the market rallies we had, we've had the last couple of years. Sure. With 2020, 2021, it's been great. My annual reviews, I've been talking with clients in 2021 going, guys, these percentages, these returns we're seeing cannot continue to happen. It has to revert back to mean at some point. And what yep. I mean by that we believe that the market is efficient. We believe in the market. I truly do believe in the market. And the market has since 1920 on average returned about 10%. And so if we look at what's going on in 2022 and to David's point, yeah, the Fed's not going to bail us out. They can't. They've got, they have to raise interest rates at where we're at today um, with spending and where we are and where we need to go. And they've got to curtail it. But the other thing we've got to look at is these earnings and where we are in multiples have to revert back to mean to get us to where it is. And that's what I've been doing with my clients is we've anchored at a high point. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to bring that anchor down. And we look at, look at your accounts, probably back to David's point in 2019, you're probably, you're up and hopefully you're up from oh, where you were. I met with a client last week and, and, and showed them the report. They're like, my gosh, it's been a terrible year. I go, I know they anchor themselves to that high point of the value they saw at the end of the year on their statement. But yet this individual, I go, but since inception, you're up almost 30 million. And they're, they're, they're going, I'll anchor to that. They're going, yeah, they're, they're going, oh, okay. Well, it doesn't <laughs> feel as bad, but the year, this year being down felt worse to them than what they'd made mm -hmm. over, over that period of time. It's just knowledge is a powerful thing, but it, it is something that we have to deal. And anchoring is a huge thing. Well, and I think you bring up a good point there. You're talking about a client that's made $30 million. On average, that a client of ours could be up $3 million. And it doesn't matter the amount of money they're nope. up. What they feel like is, or what they feel is the amount they're down today. That's it. So I think those are great, <clears throat> both great points. And we're all aware of it too. I mean, we're oh, looking yeah. at our personal accounts going, where were we? Where, you know, and that's again, another reason you can't time the market. Yep. Yes, yeah, so we eat our cooking here. Yeah. We, we are all fully invested in everything our clients are invested in. Absolutely. So absolutely. Absolutely. The only other thing I was going to uh, uh, mention as we wrap up here, guys, is the bias to only invest in what you understand. And uh, we've done, we, you know, we've had these conversations as we've done our anchored series with real estate. I think real estate's something that, again, kind of going back to that distributions, people are buying real estate because they can touch and see and feel it. They understand it. And we all agree real estate has a place in a portfolio. Sure. Why should somebody not just go dump all their money into, you know, real estate though? And I think that's an interesting conversation and something we get comments about. You hit on a, it's, it's a critical topic because it's funny how you can get enamored or really comfortable with an asset class that, that isn't marked to market every day. And you're in, you're in real estate. It's going up. It's going down in value every single day, just like the markets do. You just don't see it. Yeah, it's been very been very good over the past several years with rates going up the way they're going. It's going to be a headwind on real estate. Yeah, just, yeah, just like it is on the markets. We still love it. We still love it as a piece, mm -hmm. but it's it's defining what piece because diversification is so key. When we talk about succeeding over a very long period of time financially diversification and being disciplined on how you trade. You got to be diversified because we don't know. Yeah. No one knows what tomorrow truly is going to bring. Right. Completely. Yeah. Fantastic. It could be you know, a war. We don't know is, yeah. is, is coming. So you can't live for what you don't know what you do. You're disciplined 
on what you do, and that is being diversified. So history tells us if you're diversified and you're disciplined on how you trade over a very long period of time, you make money. Yeah. Well, and the same can be said with the energy sector was the only other one. I think real estate, energy, the two that get brought the most. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a a local bias. I'm not sure, but I think I would be pretty fair to say, especially with the way energy's performed, but I couldn't be convinced to pour all my money in energy right now. Because, uh, again, I'd be under I don't under think whatever time period you're in. I'm, one of my closest friends has been in the energy industry for his entire career. And it, it's so funny. Every friend I have there, they will go, I love what I've done and I love this industry. I would not want my kids to ah, do this. Yeah. Because they've all been laid off, hired and yep. laid off about, about 10 times right, in their career. Right. And they've all really prospered and really, been really broke about 10 times in their life. So. It's just like everything else. I mean, we love the energy sector, but it is a very volatile. I mean, when you see gains like you've seen in them over the past year, you you know you can have equal equal losses. There is no great gain without great risk. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what people think. They never weigh the risk. They want to just look at what the potential potential might might be. Yeah. Not knowing what tomorrow brings. And I, I don't pick on those. No. Asset classes. I just think they're two of the more common ones that, that get brought up. Absolutely. But if you go look at what energy was doing in 2020 and 2021, it was lagging, right? Behind right. tech sectors and things like that. So to David's point, to Tyler's point, diversification is crucial to building your overall nest egg, your wealth, and making sure that you protect your principal. Well, I appreciate you guys. My, my goal really was just to have a brief conversation uh, to kind of debrief, hit pause, get some internal dialogue around some of these interviews we've had. So um, anything we left out, anything you guys want to uh, add as we close? The only thing I would add is just as much as you want to, if you are extremely uncomfortable with where the market is today and you want to take it to cash, call your advisor, have those critical conversations today. I strongly encourage you not to take it to cash because it will destruct value over time and really try to take the emotion out of your investing. Great point. Yeah, Charlie Munger was. He has that. He has that famous quote. He 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 was talking about the he, the marvel of compound interest and that the way you make a lot of money over time is you is not interrupting compounding your interest unnecessarily, mm-hmm. right? And we see that. I will throw in one last book that I think people should All read. All right, come on. It is called "Thou Shall Prosper." It's written by Rabbi Daniel Lappin called the Ten Commandments of Making Money. And he walks through the Jewish or the Hebrew mindset on making money. And I will tell you, I've, I've marveled at the mindset of so many Jewish clients that I've worked with, that they view money totally different mm. than so many people in the Western mindset. It's much more of an Eastern mindset. And it, that's interesting. And it's brilliant. Yeah. And, he, and he walks through it. Those have been some uh, some pillars of my own personal finance sure. over the years, and I think it's a it's a good one to check out. We definitely have some different views here in the West than we <laughs> than, do than other countries, so that's that's intriguing. I will create some links to these books uh, as a benefit. And to David's point, if you if you'd like any of these, I know we've given out factfulness. I know we have that one, and we're more than happy to send you a copy. But Stacy, David, thank you both. I appreciate the time, and um, we'll do it again soon. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please review and subscribe through your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. 